0: Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined as usual by my colleagues and fellow on-air personalities, Justin Pooney, who's passionately tired of the Heritage Classic, and Sean McCormick, oof, who didn't tear his Achilles this weekend. On today's show, we attempt to do Brad Tree Living's job for him. The Maple Leafs GM has some serious issues on the blue line, with multiple players going down to injury during their most recent five-game road trip. Because of that, their depth on D is being tested and it's no bueno. So, we decided to answer one of two questions should Tree we Living weather the storm of recent injuries or pull the trigger on a trade to bring in some depth demon? Also, we weigh in on Pascal Siakam's future with the Toronto Raptors. I know this has been a hot topic for a while now, but after Siakam only put up eight shots in 36 minutes against Philadelphia, I started to wonder about his future with Toronto and how he fits into the new head coach's system. Maybe he doesn't. And if that's the case, is it time for Masayu Jerry to part ways with the Raptors forward? And finally, we wrap up with some QB talk. It appears Kirk Cousins is done for the season after tearing his Achilles in week eight. And that's a tough break for the four and four Vikings, whose playoff hopes are probably dead. We'll discuss. And did it just get cold in here? Or did Joe Burrow just walk into the studio? The Bengals quarterback looks like he's back back. Lots to get into and lots to answer. So let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. Okay, Sean McCormick, if you're Brad Tree Living, do you weather the storm with all these injuries on D, or do you hit the trade market?
1: You gotta weather the storm, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of issues with the Leafs defense right now with those injuries to uh, Jake McCabe and uh, Timothy Liljegren. But if you want to make a trade, you gotta. There's cap issues there, so you can't really make one that makes sense without mortgaging a big part of your team. And, and the Leafs are in contend now mode, so I don't see a trade happening. And uh, so, you got to rely on your depth from the, from the, from the farm system, uh, like Simon Benoit, hopefully Connor Timmins comes back, and, and those aren't names you want to rely on, but luckily it seems like the injuries to Lilligren and McCabe are short term, so you weather the storm this week, playing the Kings, playing the Bruins, you should be okay.
0: Uh, it's going to be a bit of tough sledding, but I think you got to weather the storm here. Justin, I know you're on the opposite side. Why are you going trade? Sean just made my
2: argument for me. He's talking about weather in the storm, but he mentioned the Bruins and the Kings, two of the best teams in the NHL, man. that's not, You're not going to be no easy task right there. And also this, you mentioned that they're a contending team, right? We already knew before going into the season they were going to have to make a move for a defenseman eventually. Now this just pushes the envelope even more because when your depth gets tested, and like we mentioned, we cannot have... we I say we as I'm a Leafs fan. I'm not a Leafs fan, by the way. The Toronto Maple Leafs, excuse me, cannot be playing... Mark Giordano, 20 minutes a game. They cannot be playing John Klingberg, 20 minutes a game. Morgan Riley played 27. And TJ Brody, Bradtree Living's favorite player, played 25 minutes a game right? That is not going to win you a... That's on a Stanley Cup-caliber defense court right there, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs need to make a move for their... De- to bolster their defense. I'm not saying get a top four defenseman, but you need to get two more NHL-caliber defensemen that are there and playoff... Jake McCabe, we thought last year when he's brought in, oh, this is going to help out. The guy never played in the playoffs once, and you're seeing that. You need guys who are battle-tested when it matters the most in the playoffs. This depth this defense core here is not up to snuff to compete with the elite teams in the NHL. We all know how great their offense is. Samsonov had a good game against Nashville, made some timely saves. But this defense core, if this, again, what happens if, Morgan, what happens if Morgan Riley gets hurt? Which has happened in the past. What happens if T.J. Brody gets hurt? There's a big gap there, guys. That is why Brad Shrevely, I don't care with the cap... Salary cap is there, yes, but you could still make a deal. You could still make something work. Get creative. You're supposed to have one of the best capologists in the NHL. Figure out a way. Make a deal. If you want to make a run, a proper run in the playoffs, you need elite. Not even elite. You need quality, serviceable NHL Level defenseman.
0: Yeah, forget about, I mean, the playoffs. It's about right now. And the reason why Morgan Riley and Giordano's numbers are boosted, their time on ice numbers, is because Jake McCabe lasted 10 seconds against Dallas, and then you mm-hmm. lose Timothy Lilgren in the last game against Nashville. So those numbers are going to be boosted up anyway. There's no way that they want to play a 40-year-old Mark Giordano that much. but They're going to have to now. But you have no choice. You really have no choice when you go down defenseman. And, and I'm with you. I think you have to do something now. Like you said, there's no depth on the blue line. You have a 40-year-old and Mark Giordano, and that's no disrespect to him, but you cannot have him on a second pairing. Mm-hmm. If you go through any of the deep pairings on top contenders, the older guys, no one's getting close to 40 years old. Brent Burns Carolina Carolina's 39, different player, not playing as many minutes, and we've seen his – his skill and his talent kind of diminished a little bit over time because that's what happens when you have all these miles on your legs as a defenseman. But if you look at the Boston Bruins, I mean, their third-parent guy is a 35-year-old and Kevin Shattenkirk, but he's not logging 20 minutes. You're not banking on him to, to log those top dog minutes like they are right now with Mark Giordano. Then you have a guy who hasn't played in the NHL since 21-22 and William Lagason, who they brought up. The last time he played in the league was with Montreal Canadiens. It's a long time ago. It's mm. a prom. Then you have another dude in John Klingberg who Sheldon Keefe is afraid to play in the defensive zone. He's only putting him out there on the power play in mm-hmm. offensive zone situations, which is fine. He's good on the power play. He's good when he's put in that situation, in that scenario. But you don't want John Klingberg logging 15-plus minutes no. every single game. And then you go even beneath that. Who are the other options? Connor Timmins, He's hurt right now. He played on the wing last season. Then you go Simon Benoit, a depth guy that they brought in to hopefully not use. But during a long season, you're going to have some injuries. You're probably going to use them on the third pairing as much as you possibly can. It can happen going forward. Even when they get McCabe and Lilgren back, you're still going to need depth. So you got to go out and find some deals that make sense. I have a few players here. We'll go over it shortly. I know, Sean, you have something to say here, but um, it's going to be difficult with them being so against the cap. Yeah, It's not our job to figure out like how you make that money work i don't know how they do it because i don't know who they trade but there are players out there in and around a million dollars or less that i think can help this team sean
1: yeah you got to figure that out i mean we're we we can not play armchair gm here it's, it's it's very tough to figure out how the numbers work i just don't know who they sacrifice from this roster to make it work right who are you trying to move are you trying to move somebody like a max domi or a tyler bertuzzi you can't obviously like get rid of somebody like a john klingberg who's also on a one-year deal because you need defense so that's why you can't trade a defenseman um Yeah, I I just think you just got to weather the storm. I I think these injuries are short term. Yeah, you will need depth, but you'll need to figure out what you need closer to the deadline, right? Like you have McCabe and you have, um, you know, Lilligren out for now. But you don't want to make a deal now and sacrifice what you might need in the future at the deadline because, again, the cap is so tight and your roster is so tightly constructed that you need to wait, I think, until you're closer to the playoffs to figure out exactly what you need in case, like like Justin was talking about, in case a Morgan-Riley goes down, then you need to really reevaluate re- the situation. So I think for right now, you need to just sort of you know, hold your breath, count on guys that you wouldn't normally count on, and hope for the best because... These wins, you do need. The wins are important for every team, especially, you know, in the Atlantic Division. It's very tight, contested. But I think you can manage for a week or two, and and hopefully you can squeak out a couple of wins.
0: Yeah, it's a week or two. But again, back to Giordano, 40 years old. You don't want him logging those minutes. This is a blue line with a 40-year-old and three 30-year-olds. Yeah. It's an aging blue line, Mm -hmm. so you got to make things happen. When it comes to trades, I'm just looking at the Leafs trade assets right now. It's not great. I mean, you have Nick Robertson, 22's a winger. He's coming off a serious injury. Pontus Holmberg, who's made his way to playing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is he stuck there for a while? I'm not sure. It's obviously a nice contract to have under a million dollars. Mikko Kokkonen, third rounder in 2019. And then you got a first in 2024 and a first in 2026. You're not parting ways with any (laughs) of those players for a third pairing defenseman. Hmm. Let's be real. But someone on this roster has to move, right, Justin? If you're going to make any move.
2: Well, you look at it, right? I'm keeping my eyes on the Calgary Flames, who lost again last night.
0: Uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, at the
2: Heritage Classic, and Brad Treliving built that pretty much built that team. Um, there's a couple guys on that defense core. They're big ticket items, right? You got a guy Noah Hannafin, making 4.95 million, who's a UFA. You know, you got a guy Chris Tanner making 4.5. Nikita Zadorov making just shy of four right can you package something up to bring one of those guys in because if the Calgary Flames continue to struggle i suspect they will make a move especially when you have 3 of your top 6 defensemen as a ufa i think Brad tree living will not be afraid to pull the trigger to bring a defenseman in especially from calgary you mentioned all those assets think about it what's a first round pick for the maple leafs really mean hmm. what does it really mean to them right then you have you don't have a second round pick but they have a third round pick of the islanders then they got the 2026 first round pick The next four years that Austin Matthews is signed for, you're essentially still in win now mode, right? These draft picks that you have right now, they're gonna be mid to late twenties, right? They're hoping thirty second, right? It's time to just you have to, you know, what the the LA Rams did—they basically sold their future and their soul for a Super Bowl ring, and it paid off. They got it, right? Yeah. That Brad Tree Living was brought in not to, you know, create a new, you know culture whatever. The culture's set. He's here to take this team to the next level, to take them to an extended playoff run, front to win a Stanley Cup. Who cares about the future? The future does not matter for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The future is now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You need to win a Stanley Cup in the next four years. Otherwise, this whole Matthews, Marner, Big Four era is a failure. It is a failure. So you have to take big risks. You cannot be afraid to make difficult decisions. If it's... If you got to trade Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi who are pending UFA's and they're just not clicking on your bottom six feel free to pull, them, pull the trigger and trade him, right? Move Nick Robertson. Move any of your prospects, right? You have to be aggressive to make sure this team is in the best position. You owe it to your fan base. You owe it to your superstars, more importantly, to make sure this team is in the best position to win a Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah, and we have to expect a big trade will come for, I think, a, a top-end defenseman. True Living was talking about that before the season started. He's talked about it during the season. But right now, you need some some band-aids on this back end and there's not much you can do like i said when you're up against a salary cap but i've listed a few players here uh one guy that i watched last night in the heritage classic for the edmonton oilers vincent de uh big guy six seven super physical that's what true living wants he's on what seven hundred thousand dollar contract at the moment pending ufa a player like that you can make a move for right you don't have to move that much cap it could be a like for like type salary going both ways Um, Another guy I have my eye on is Josh Brown of Arizona, 1.275, pending UFA. Another big dude, top 30 in hits last season, block shots. You want to get physical, you want depth, then these are the players you're going to have to look at. You mentioned Zadorov on Calgary, who's criticized his team publicly and players, so he could be on his way out. The problem is, at 3.75, how are the Leafs going to Mm -hmm. do that? I know this is a guy True Living likes. He signed him in Calgary. And as, as good as it'd be to bring in that type of player for this Leafs D, they just don't have the the capability of doing it right now, Sean.
1: Yeah, teams teams aren't going to be in a rush to, you know, help out the Leafs either, right? Like they know similarly when a star goes down, uh you you're just not teams aren't going to be like, "Oh, like we'd like to help you out. We'll eat some of that cap and blah blah blah." Yeah, you you really sort of have to sell, you know, your players short just to help hopefully get some depth for your mm-hmm. your team, right? So, the Leafs are in a tight bind and again, that's sort of why I'm saying you got to weather it because I don't I don't see the money working uh, without giving away somebody like a, a Tyler Bertuzzi who makes five and a half million. That maybe you can get two players for five and a half million. I, like, I looked at it just for the sake of the exercise, like somebody like Eric Johnson and either Casey Middlestadt or Tyson Yost from the Buffalo Sabers. You know, they're a competitive team that could use probably another forward. I, I think that could that could could make sense, but. It just to me, it's just sit and wait and hope for the best. That's 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 my strategy here. If I'm Brad, Tree you're living. playing
2: with fire if you do that. Though you're playing with fire if you expect that this defense core, we can you can band it together and it's gonna live up live throughout the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. You gotta you gotta get early and try to fix this. It's like a dam, right? You can put so much gum on a dam, but eventually it's gonna burst, right?
1: No, I agree. I agree that they need to do something eventually. They need to do something eventually, but they're five they're five two and one right and they're playing a couple games this week three three games this week and and Lilligren's already on the ice practicing that's not to say for sure that he's going to play on uh Tuesday night but it looks like he will uh Jake McCabe will not that's already been said so I mean if if Lilligren's back then this is I wouldn't say moot because it's still a conversation to be had it's still something that the Leafs need to focus on long term this is a problem for the Leafs their defense but if you can continue to you know be a productive team and win games, then it's not something you need to address, I think, until closer to the trade deadline.
2: One name I have for you guys, <clears throat> Rasmus Sandin. He's an RFA at the end of the season, $1.4 million cap hit. Any chance they bring him back now?
1: I wouldn't part with him. Right? He's with the Capitals, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, why would they want to give him away? He's He's oh, been pretty decent for the Capitals. Uh, you know, they're
0: not going anywhere. they
2: you know, replenish the the draft capital and stuff like that.
0: Listen, the move that that Leafs need to make is you got to find some depth guys at the cheap right now until Brad Tree Living decides to make that big splash for the big defenseman or two I think that's what you got to do Leafs need to do it as soon as possible Uh, another guy that could be on the move for a different team not in the NHL but in the National Basketball Association Pascal Siakam Uh, obviously there's been a lot of talk for a long time on whether or not he's going to stay with the Raptors are they going to extend him but after their most recent game against the 76ers, where he only put up eight shots in 36 minutes, excuse me, is it time for the Raptors to part ways with Siakam? We'll talk about that after the break. The Raptors are tr- clearly trying to move on to the Scotty Barnes era, but they haven't surrounded him, I think, with the talent that they needed. And maybe by moving Pascal Siakam, that's probably the the best way to go about that. So the question here is, Justin Pooney, is it time for the Raptors to move on from Siakam?
2: 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, whatever. Yes, trade him
0: Why? now. Why?
2: They should trade him in the offseason. You're Why? seeing it, Albert. You're seeing it on the court. Pascal Siakam shot the ball eight times. Precious Achua. Yes, that's Precious Achua shot the ball more in less minutes, right? It's Again, it's early, but it seems to me that he is no longer the focal point of the Toronto Raptors. That is Scotty Barnes and you've seen Scotty Barnes nearly average a triple double. He had a triple double on Friday. This he's he's the focal point. He is now the Toronto Raptors mainstay. Oh, Ananobi, Siakam, Trent, all these guys, they all fall below now Scotty Barnes because Darko Rajakovic wants Scotty Barnes to be that guy and whether well, that's Masai Ujiri and the front office telling him that we want Scotty Barnes to touch the ball and be that guy, then sorry you gotta trade Pascal Siak. He's averaging 14.7 points a game. This guy has come on and said he wants to be a top 5 player in the NBA. Right? You're not a top 5 player in the NBA if you're not if you're not doing that. And this is also affecting his contract status, too, because he wants the super max if he makes All-NBA. Well, if he puts up these numbers, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are grinning from ear to ear because they don't have to give a super max to a 30-year-old who averages 14 points a
0: game. Uh, Sean, the Raptors coach clearly uh, wants to get Pascal more involved. After the 70- 76ers game, he did say, we need to definitely find more opportunities for Pascal. Uh, Some of those are really coming from us. We did not do a good job of cutting. We've got to be able to open more room for him to attack downhill, to get shots at the rim. Also, after that game, Scotty Barnes was talking about how they're all still adjusting to the system. You're on the fence of keep Pascal at the moment. Why?
1: Well, I do agree with Justin. They should have traded him in the offseason, but now that they didn't, they have to keep them at least, again, for now. It's similar to what we talked about with the lease situation. It's they're sort of handcuffed. It's it's I I don't know what Masayu Jerry and Bobby Webster are doing. They let Freddie walk for free, and now it seems like that might happen to Pascal Siakam too. Some of that is on Siakam as well because he says, "I don't want to sign and sign anywhere else. I don't want to play in Atlanta. I don't want to play in Atlanta. I don't want to play here." So I think that they're handcuffed. They're kind of screwed, and and it's it's not looking good for them, and and. Yeah, it's a new system, so it's going to take some getting used to. We saw it, you know, years back with the Heat when when LeBron went to Miami. It took some time for those caliber of players to get in sync. And I'm not nowhere near the Toronto Raptors or nowhere near what, you know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are, but you know what I mean? Like, Pascal will come around. It's just that he's, he's a little complacent right now. He's taking shots from behind the arc. He's not getting into the paint. Uh, what is it, 15 shots from three, he's made six, he's only taken 18 shots from inside the paint, that's not good enough, uh, his field goal percentage is down, his points per game is down, um, you know what I mean, but it's it's, it's, just, it's a three game sample size too, so we gotta relax a little bit, you know, Barnes is shooting 15 times a game, Schroeder 14, Siakam's third on the team, 13.3 shots a game, so yeah, Friday, you know, and, and sorry, Friday and Saturday, not so good for Pascal Siakam, the season as a whole, not so good for Pascal Siakam, but he'll come around. I'm not worried. Is he a top five player in the NBA? Sorry, Pascal, you're not. But are you a top 30 player in the NBA? Yeah, maybe, maybe. And so I, until the Raptors figure out who they are and what they want to do, you just got to grit your teeth and hold on. And, and I think that you know Pascal will rebound here.
0: Hey, Let's not get it twisted. Pascal Siakam is the best player on this Toronto Raptors team. Clearly, clearly, clearly the best player on the team. Yes, of course he is. We're is, not dismissing Scotty that at all. If
2: Barnes keeps playing the way he's playing, then isn't it kind of assertive I'm, that... He... I'm
0: saying at the moment, okay. it is Pascal Siakam. And one of the things uh, the Raptors coach has said, he wants Pascal to become more efficient. So what that tells me is he's probably going to see the ball a lot less, but in better positions. At the moment, he's not seeing it in the best positions. You don't want him taking that many shots from three-point line. Um, I, I'm on the fence here. and I know I shouldn't be, but it's because I don't know exactly what Raptors management want to do with Pascal because we've seen in the past they've dangled the contract year over DeMar. They've dangled the contract year of Kyle Lowry almost like as an incentive like play well and we'll give you the contract. I don't know if they're doing that with Pascal but if you look back to the offseason it was clear. It's known to everybody they were trying to shop him. Yeah. So I think I think they're stuck in the middle, and it's a horrible place to be. And if that's the case, if you're stuck in the middle, I'm with uh, I'm with Justin. I say move on, and maybe even package him with OGN and Obi. I know that's crazy. <sighs> I know that's crazy, but hear me out. If if Darko and the rest of the organization want this to be the Scardi Scarty, Sc- Scarty, <laughs> Scarty. The, the Scotty Barnes team. Then if you package those two guys together, you're going to get a ton of pieces, maybe two to three players who can play right now, some picks in it as well that you can stockpile to maybe move on to bring in that type of all-star that they've missed for so long, like a Kawhi Leonard, a closer, right? Hear me out. So those are the two reasons why I would probably send out Pascal. But if they're still leaning towards the other side, they really want Pascal to be this team moving forward under Darko, then the trade is completely off the table and you have to make this work.
2: I, that's a crazy take by trading Pascal and OG together Because I think the way this works Is if um, you trade both of them Because what team is going to deplete all their assets For those two players, right? Take them to two separate teams And acquire both a whole bunch of draft capital, right? I have a trade proposal that I want to <laughs> pitch to you guys, okay? The, I said before the season That I think the Golden State Warriors are going to trade Chris Paul It's just not going to fit or whatever, right? How about this? Pascal Siakam to Golden State, right? Okay Golden State then trades Chris Paul to Miami, who needs a point guard, and the Raptors can then require, you know, reap the benefits of draft capital from both teams, the Warriors and the Heat. Maybe, maybe they could get a Jonathan Kaminga or a Moses Moody, one of the two, right? A good young player who fits the timeline better with this Toronto Raptors team. Again, you have to make the money and contracts work, but something like that, right, where then you can also trade OG to a team like I would say Memphis, maybe at that point during the deadline, if John Morant's back, they're kind of back in the playoff hunt. Maybe even a team like Orlando. Maybe a team like that who's playing well, who wants to acquire one more you know, veteran-established player to help insulate that young core who has a whole bunch of draft capital. I think moves like that could really accelerate this Raptors. Not rebuild, but maybe a retool, right? A couple of years down, down bad, but then you have, like you mentioned, draft capital. NBA GMs love first round picks and pick swaps, right? You can use that as leverage to get a star player, right? Or, you just trust your draft and development department and you pick players. I know it's been kind of rough for the Raptors lately, but at least it gives you options. You're not stuck in the middle like you were saying, Albert.
0: Yeah, if this is Scotty Barnes' team, this is what the Raptors need to do. You need to move on from Pascal Siakam you gotta bring in some pieces who can play now because depth is a serious issue. Malachi Flynn was benched in one of the games. He's not playing Garrett Temple, Thad Young, Chris Boucher was didn't, was a coach's decision, did not play in the first game. Clearly Darko is not trusting his bench the same way Nick Nurse didn't trust his bench. So when you send out Pascal Siakam in a trade, you need to acquire players that can play now while also stockpiling picks. It's a difficult thing to do, but I think they need to do it sooner rather than later because last season they were 41 and 41. Based on the way that they're playing right Right now, this earlier in the season, this early in the season, they're going to have to run their starters deep once again if the manager doesn't trust the bench, which means you got to make a move. You have to make a move. So I'm on, you got to send out Pascal Siakam. He's been such a fantastic servant to the Toronto Raptors, won a championship here. I knew his role when, when Kyle Lowry and Kawhi were here and did a great job at that, was a most improved player, can be a top 30, sometimes top 20 player in the league. He'll get his money. I just don't think it's with the Toronto Raptors, Sean
1: yeah I mean that was uh definitely well said it's just again it comes down to two I think if you trade a midseason it's not like he can you know hold you uh, like uh, 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 he, he's you he, he can't be like oh I won't play for that team that's tough for him to do midseason I do think you're gonna uh, teams will have to worry about uh, whether he'll sign with them um but I do think he'll move it'd be super foolish of the Toronto Raptors organization to not get what you can for him and I do think I agree with you Albert if you try to get him, get rid of him sooner rather than later you're likely to get more for him because at least then the team you're trading him for if they're not able to re-sign him know that they'll have him for the majority of the season so you can get more back for him trading OG man that's a tough one The I I, I I don't see it happening, but I don't hate it. I I think again, he's somebody who, with his defensive prowess, as they say, defense wins championships. He's somebody that would be highly sought after too. But he's got another year on his contract after this, so it's another thing too, where you're like, if we trade these guys that we're not really wanting to build around sooner rather than later, you can reap the benefits. So it's very interesting. I think I think it has some wheels. It just. I just this Pascal thing to me is is just so crazy. I I wish they could have done it in the offseason so that we wouldn't be having this conversation because then they could have got a lot for him in the offseason too.
0: Yeah, fortunately for the Raptors, though, they are not a win now team. They're a team in development. And sometimes you got to move on from the marquee guy uh, before the marquee guy either moves on on his own or goes down with a serious injury like Kirk Cousins just did for the Minnesota Vikings. Unfortunately, breaking news. Uh, An MRI has confirmed that uh, Vikings four-time Pro Bowl QB quarterback, Kirk Cousins, tore his Achilles tendon and his 2023 season is over. So my question to you guys is going to be, what happens now to the Vikings and their playoff hopes? Who's going to be the QB? And maybe we'll touch on Joe Burrow as well. I think he might be back back. Okay, as I mentioned, Kirk Cousins done for the season. So now what do they do at quarterback? I mean, they can opt for the next-man-up approach, maybe, elevating rookie Jaron Hall. Nick Mullins uh, currently is on injured reserve. Or they can try and add someone. They can look for a trade or maybe look at some of the free agents that are out there. Sean, you're laughing. But what should the Vikings do? At the quarterback spot,
1: I'm laughing because it's, I'm like a broken record over here. They uh, I, all 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 show long no trade, no trade, no trade. It's no different here. I think the Minnesota Vikings are kind of just screwed, man. Uh, they're four and four. Um, they're right where people thought they were kind of you know s- supposed to be uh, around the uh, around the playoff hunt. Close to leading their division, the Detroit Lions are looking pretty good. And you just gotta go with Jaron Hall for a couple weeks, unfortunately. Uh he doesn't have a great pedigree. Uh was Zach Wilson's backup for BYU. Um he comes from a family of athletes. His dad was a running back at BYU. His mom was a gymnast at BYU. <laughs> so I'm, I'm coming with some Jaron Hall knowledge. Uh touted as somebody who doesn't have a lot of arm strength. Uh you saw him, you know, throw close to the line uh when he came in for an injured Kirk Cousins not expecting a lot from jaron hall i think once you know you do the two-week experiment jaron hall hopefully nick mullins is is healthy enough to play when he's eligible after week 10 and then you just roll out nick mullins after that because i i don't think in the nfl that you want to trade for a you know middling quarterback i'm going to say options that are out there would probably be a little bit better than a nick mullins and a jaron hall but you're gonna have to give away draft picks and I, i think that's that's tough for the minnesota vikings to do so I'm going to go with no trade and 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 therefore the playoff hopes of minnesota vikings is not looking too good either
0: justin pooney sean mccormick not a fan of trades in national (laughs) sports around (laughs) north america
1: doesn't like fun um what do you think they should do this is
2: the perfect situation for the minnesota vikings what just happened perfect situation hear me out right it's sad that kirk cousins tore his achilles in the season he will come back he will be a starting quarterback once again for the san francisco 49ers next year because he's a free agent. This is perfect for the Minnesota Vikings because why, guys? This might be the best quarterback draft we've seen in the NFL in a very long time. And we already had questions on is Kirk Cousins the guy long-term in Minnesota? This right here allows the Vikings to remove themselves from Kirk Cousins. He can go somewhere else. I told you San Francisco because he has a history with Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan clearly does not think Brock Purdy's the guy. Did you see the way he was looking at Brock Purdy yesterday? Not good. The Vikings now can draft a young quarterback, a guy, maybe a Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. I don't think they're going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May at the top of the draft. Maybe Shadour Sanders comes out out of Colorado because he's tired of getting beat down and getting sacked all the time and wants to play behind a real offensive line. Could there be a Bo Nix from Oregon? There are so many quarterbacks out there that can be taken, and this is exactly what the Minnesota Vikings can do. They can draft their next quarterback for the future. You're not going to have to pay a fortune for them. They only have less than $10 million of cap space right now, right? So that resets the market. You can build a better roster around on your defense. You can add more. You already have Jordan Addison, and we've seen now, that without Justin Jefferson, he stepped up and played very well, making a lot of difficult catches. You have Hawkinson. You could actually invest that money in getting a real running back because this running attack is horrible, right? That is why I think this is the best-case scenario for the Minnesota Vikings long-term. This season, it's a wrap. It's over. It's done. But going forward, if you're a Vikings fan, you can now have your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, which is exactly what you needed because you already had questions about what you were going to do with Kirk Cousins.
0: I get what you're saying, and you made a lot of good points. I'm going to have to go against it, though. They're 4-4. and They're currently in a playoff spot, and they're not going to win their division in the NFC North. That is for the Detroit Lions. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. I'm I'm crowning you that after Kirk Cousins goes down. So they got that division locked up. But with that said, look who they're battling it out with. The Saints, the Bucks, and the Rams. You get a decent quarterback in there. Justin Jefferson is going to come back soon. You you, can, But but you can make the playoffs. though. doesn't matter. what's the point? It doesn't matter. You get get into the playoffs, which is important. And there's options out there. Listen, you can say what you want about Ryan Tannehill, but it looks like he can be on the moves. Andy Dalton is out there. If you really want to go deep, deep... I'm just saying there's options out there to carry an offense. I don't know. Especially in the NFC, trying to make that wild card is not going to be that difficult when you're going up against the Saints and Bucks who are beating themselves every single week. When you have, arguably... The best wide receiver in the game. Not already, but he is. Why Why tank a season? Unless Justin, Justin Jefferson turns around and says, he's out. I'm going to take my time from coming back. I don't see that happening. I don't see the Vikings tanking. Yes, I get what you're saying by the quarterback draft. But if you're in the NFL, it's so difficult to make the playoffs. If you're in that position and you're able to get a competent quarterback who can manage the game, I think the Vikings can make the playoffs. And one of those guys, I think, can be Ryan Tannehill, Sean.
1: Yeah, uh, Ryan Tannehill makes sense. Uh, we saw Will Levis come in and, and play pretty well in his one week, and we'll see what he can do this week. Um, and and he's, Ryan Tannehill's had a rough, rough season, but I think he's been banged up. Um, and, but he's an option. He's an option. Mac Jones could be an option. There's a, There are options out there if the Vikings want to go down this route. I, I more agree with Justin on the fact that the Vikings should sort of you know, not give up too much and play the season out as it lies. I don't think the playoffs are a deep run because I do believe this is a championship driven lead. I think all leagues are but the NFL especially and um, I just don't see the Vikings with anybody that is available at quarterback coming and winning a Super Bowl. So I think getting the higher draft pick is a better way I don't see Kirk Cousins going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, That's just me. I think they have Brock Purdy. I think he's a little banged up too, a little little concussion uh, uh, issues there. So, um, yeah, I I just don't think that the... um, that that's the route they'll go. I think I think the Vikings will will stand pat and Nick Mullins era begins.
0: Let's talk about another key quarterback here. Uh right now, Joe Burrow. He's starting to look like Joe Burrow. After starting 0 2 for the second year in a row, Cincinnati has now won four of his last five to go four and three following Sunday's 31-17 victory over the 49ers. The Niners losing three in a row. Not looking good. But Burrow, listen, he had his probably best game. Finished uh, 23 or 28, 283 yards with three touchdowns. No interception. Completion rate of 87.5, which was, excuse me, the highest of his career. So with that said, he looks like Burrow. He plays like Burrow. What does that mean for the Cincinnati Bengals moving forward?
1: Joe Cool is back, man. Uh, back back as you said uh, in the intro and throughout the show Uh, I think the Cincinnati Bengals to me are the third favorite to win the AFC I would put them behind the Chiefs and the Ravens I think Mm -hmm. the the Bengals uh, you know now that they're healthy and especially now that Joe Burrow is healthy I think they catapult uh, in front of the Buffalo Bills Man, you could just tell that injury, like he wasn't mobile to start the season. You know, first game of the season, 82 yards against the Browns, 222 yards second game of the season. You saw each week he got a little bit better, a little bit better. Uh he's completed 17 of his for the first 17 of his first 19 passes in two straight games. That's outstanding. Um Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, probably the top 3. I think he can lead this Bengals team to a Super Bowl. I do think that they uh, make the playoffs in a wild card they might not win the division because the Ravens have a, an edge on them but uh, man does Joe Burrow look good and I, I, I think the future is bright for him and for the Bengals if that Joe Burrow that we saw
2: yesterday the, he was the best quarterback in the NFL yesterday out of all the quarterbacks that played he was the best quarterback that played Patrick Mahomes was sick we're starting to see some cracks to that, that Chiefs team Albert and Sean they don't have any wide receivers If Travis Kelsey's not going, who else is going to catch the ball for them? We don't know. They'll have a bunch of number three wide receivers and the greatest tight end of all time. This is it. The Cincinnati Bengals are all the way back as a Super Bowl contender. When you look at their roster, even their defense, we talk about how how good their offense is, that defense is second in turnovers right now. That is very impressive, and you need that. You need that. That Those timely interceptions, those timely fumbles in the playoffs to flip the field. And a guy like Joe Burrow, who can take... You saw it. The turnover happened. The next play, touchdown to Jamar Chase, right? That is just what the Cincinnati Bengals can do to you. This division race is heated up between those two teams because Joe Burrow is playing like Joe Burrow. And I cannot wait till the Bengals and Ravens match up because that right there is going to be much-watched TV because that AFC North is going to be very spicy between those two teams. The, the Browns are going to fall off. P.J. Walker had a great game against Seattle, but at the end of the game, couldn't do it. Kenny Pickett is now hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be out. I think those two teams take a step back. So look, you're talking about the 7th seed. I think the division is still in the play for the Bengals right now too.
1: I don't know about the division. It's tight. I mean, the the Ravens already hold the edge uh, in the head-to-head matchup for the tiebreaker. Uh, I do agree with you that the Steelers and the Browns will fall down, but I mean, I think the Bengals will be the 5th seed once once the playoffs start. I think, I think they can get that high. So I think it's... The wild cards for me are Bengals... Bills, oof. And then it's either the Browns or the Jets. The Jets played one of the worst, and I don't want to go off on the tangent, but the Jets played one of the worst football games you'll ever see and won. I think they're capable of of beating any team on any given day with that defense. Uh, so the Bengals, to me, they catapulted up to the fifth spot. I think I think that's how good they'll be the rest of the year. They can still get to 10 wins on this season, right? They can
2: still be a double-digit win team. And I think the the Ravens, too, if you look at their schedule, it's nothing to sneeze at either. They got some pretty, you know, pretty tough tasks on there as well, right? So you got, like, Seattle next week. Seattle's no slouch. They're pretty feisty team, I would say. So then you got the Chargers, who are, you know, beat up on the Bears. Then you got the Rams, who are... No easy walk. They got Jacksonville as well. They got San Francisco. They got Miami. They got Pittsburgh as well. It's going to be difficult for both teams, guys. That's why. You never know with the NFL.
0: But when you have elite quarterbacks, you have a chance to win every night. So we're saying uh, Leafs need to make a trade, but don't need to make a trade. Siakam <laughs> to go, but maybe not go. The Bengals make the playoffs, but maybe not. Kirk Cousins <laughs> he's done, which the Vikings do. Uh, we gave you both sides. To every single argument, yeah. which is what the Homestead Sports Podcast is all about. All right, boys, that's it. Thanks for joining me, as always. Thank you, Sarah. That's it from us at Homestand Sports. We'll be back with another episode on Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod. Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify are three spots. You can get the podcast. The video version will be up on the Homestand Sports YouTube channel, so don't forget to hit the subscribe button and like. Leave a comment as well. We want to hear from you guys as much as possible. But that's it for us. Thanks for watching. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Sports.